0: I can say this, uh, wasn't necessarily easy at the beginning, but if I knew what I would be willing to share here you today, I think it would have saved me a few years and allowed me to make a lot more money in a much faster amount of time. I would have helped a lot more people. So, you know, let's, let's help some
1: people out. Welcome to the Everything is Influence podcast. This podcast is dedicated to help you understand why human beings do the things they do and ultimately how you can work with human psychology to influence change and get people to do what you want them to. Whether this is your clients, your prospects, your kids, your spouse, or anyone you come into contact with, this show will give you the tools of influence so that you can become more, unlock your true potential, and serve even more powerfully than you already do. My name is Eli Wild. Let's dive in. Hello everyone and welcome back to another amazing episode of the everything is influence podcast where on each and every episode we dig into the mindset the psychology of an amazing entrepreneur a person of influence in the world and as always we dig into the four levels of influence how does this person influence themselves what is their daily routine their mindset how have they become this person and then how does they see the process of influence taking their beliefs their values their identity and shifting this and transferring that to another human being that's level two how they do it through group, that's level three, and what do they do for legendary influence where they really create systems and processes to influence at a legendary scale. So without any further ado, let me welcome you to talking to one of my good buddies, a true friend, Marcel Klein. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. Thanks
0: for having me on. I miss you. I haven't seen you in a few months. So uh, yeah,
1: it's fun to, fun to chat here. Awesome, man. Well, let's start off with this. How old are you? Tell everybody, because you've done so much so fast, faster than most anybody. What, what is your age? Give us a little bit of your background.
0: Yeah, so I'm 24 years old. I started helping people out when I was 16. I started doing it professionally at 18. I started coaching. And uh, I started learning hypnosis when I was 18. And I think very quickly I became, in my opinion, probably the best hypnotist in the world. And the reason I say that is because I cannot see another hypnotist, for instance, who can Call someone up on stage or at least has the confidence to do it and then change someone's life over and over and over again. I don't care who they are, how resistant they are, what their problem is, bring them up on stage. I'll change their life, you know, or, you know, in a random environment. I don't care if it's at a mall. I don't care if it's at a club where we can't hear each other. I've been pretty successful in all of it. Uh, and I think the, the number one thing I've, I've noticed when I influence people in general, not just hypnosis, but in general, it really is what you say, right? It, it comes down to, to understand a few key principles that I think will really benefit everyone who's listening today. So I'm excited to share those and, you know, talk less about me, but more about what I've learned throughout my journey. You know, and uh, I, I can say this, uh, wasn't necessarily easy at the beginning, but if I knew what I would be willing to share here you today, I think it would have saved me a few years and allowed me to make a lot more money in a much faster amount of time. I would have helped a lot more people. So, you know, let's, let's help some people out.
1: All right. So for influence, you use, hypnosis as a tool so how how did you discover this tool of hypnosis how did you get started why hypnosis kind of give us a little bit of your backstory as to how you got to this point so initially i was
0: i was kind of giving my friends advice i was a nerd and uh i had a crush on this girl and i was fat i lost 24 pounds in one month and i come back to school and i'm planning on asking this girl out and all of a sudden uh, this guy named jelani goes and asks her out he's fat he's fatter than i was when i started <laughs> and she says yes, and I was like, well, that's interesting. And I, you know, it's not like he was a particularly nice guy or anything like that. And I started asking myself questions. I said, look, I'm nice. I'm, I'm, I'm skinny now. I'm, I'm you know, I'm different. And, and I'm like, why, why would a girl still not go for a guy like me? And I started looking. I'm like, do girls always go for rich guys? Do they always go for famous guys? And I realized they don't. And I said, well, what is it they go for? And I realized it was confidence. So I said, okay, let me go work on my confidence. So as I'm working on my confidence, I'm telling my friends who are also nerds, you know, all the nerds in the school to start doing the same things and follow certain principles. And all of a sudden, all the nerds are dating all the girls. And we're like, wow. So girls would come ask me for dating advice and I'd give them advice and they'd have success. And then one day I went to visit my friend in San Diego State University and there was a hypnotist performing. And I said, let's go see the hypnotist. And he goes, no, I'm like, come on, bro. Let's just go check it out. It looks cool. So he's super skeptical. His confidence of five out of 10. The guy's super normal. He's never even been with a woman before. And the hypnotist starts talking and he's talking shit to me, you know, and I'm like, dude, just listen. And all of a sudden the hypnotist says, you know, stand up if you want to volunteer. There's 400 people in the auditorium. And he's one of a few people that stand up and walk towards the stage. I'm looking at him. I'm like, is this guy serious? Like, didn't he? wasn't just talking shit to me six seconds ago. But I guess the hypnotist was saying something. I don't really remember exactly, but he was saying some kind of language pattern or whatever. And my friend's getting hypnotized already. He goes up on stage. Hypnotist goes to sleep. My friend knocks out, ends up being the star of the show. He was the best subject in the entire stage. And at the end, he goes, "Hey, you're going to be super confident for the rest of your life. You know, it's the best day of your life. You're going to be super confident." Snaps his fingers. Friend comes off stage, looks at me different, talks different, walks different, postures different. And the prettiest girl in this 400 auditorium, and I swear this was the most mind blowing part, walks by. He puts his hand out, spins her around, kisses her, takes her back to his dorm, loses his virginity, and then dates her for three months. And I was like, "I'm going to go learn hypnosis." Like, there's, (laughs) you know, this guy's life just changed in five minutes. And I'm like, "That's not my friend." Now, to give you perspective, my friend today is a multi millionaire. He's actually getting married in December. So, you know, that event put him on a path that changed his life forever. Like, in my opinion, forever. So uh, I said, well, let me go learn hypnosis. And I wanted to learn it because I was in shock. You know, I'm open-minded, but I was, I was like, there's no way this can be real. But I know my friend can't act that. He can't fake that. And that's when I started studying it. And I, I learned some pretty horrifying stuff and at the same time, some pretty exciting stuff. So it's, uh, it's crazy.
1: So your path, you know, and I've I've studied a bit of hypnosis, especially hanging out on you and our buddy Chase the last couple of years. I've dug into a bit. I've seen, you know, Tony Robbins do some stuff. I've been to a lot of events, Marshall Silver. I've seen the cheesy side. I've seen the therapeutic side. I've seen different aspects of it. hypnotic language. For you, uh, how did you you learn this stuff? What was your process? Because you are amazing at it, and I've seen you do the change, and I've seen you bring people up. Like, what has been your process um, because a lot of people do this stuff and it doesn't land. They're not good. So what did you learn first? Have you optimized it? Have you changed it? And have you gotten there? Kind of walk us through your educational journey from that day. So I think there's two
0: things that I had as an advantage that allowed me to become really, really good. One is I always look for the shortcut. Like my brain's wired for the shortcut. What's the fastest way to get the biggest result or the biggest outcome? So in hypnosis, what that means is, what's the fastest way to get someone into trance and get them into trance deeply? Now, you'll hear people say that there's no such thing as a deeper trance, but that's because they haven't done things in the stage realm, right? There, are, there is a deeper trance. What that means is, the phenomena that can occur in hypnosis, in a state of somnambulism, which is the deepest state of hypnosis, you could pretty much do anything. You change someone's identity, you can make them hallucinate, you can make them be a chicken, you know, all that cool stuff could do that in that state now if you have a lighter state of trance it's more like someone laughing they smell something you know we kind of go through that in regular conversation just an impulse to go buy something that's what, just a light what
1: is state. trance just to define what is. how do you define yeah. trance
0: trance is, is anytime you're feeling any emotion you're in a trance anytime your your mind is seeing an image you're in a trance now the question is the more you know are you are you still in touch with what's happening outside if you are then you're not in that deep of a trance. The deeper of a trance you are, you're not even connected to the outside world. You're actually in your head, like completely in your mind, almost like you're dreaming, but sleepwalking. That's kind of what it's like. So that's the deepest state of trance. It's when you start to disassociate from reality and go into your mind. The deeper you go into your mind, the deeper the trance. So in my there's two things. One, I was very confident when I started. And two, I looked for the shortcut. So, I, I went to school and I was like, hey, I hope I can learn this, right? So, I went to the school uh, to learn hypnosis, supposedly if the best school for it. And they're not doing shit. They're like, they're not teaching me inductions. They're not knocking people out. I was like, this sucks. So, I go on YouTube and I find this guy named Darren Brown. And I start watching Darren Brown videos. I see him hypnotize someone to become an assassin. I see him hypnotize people to go rob a bank. I see him do all this crazy stuff. And I said, well, I want i want to be able to like hypnotize people like that you know i was 19 at the time and i'm like okay so i go try and hypnotize people over and over and over again october 13th is actually uh my five year anniversary for the first time i hypnotize someone to forget their name so mm-hmm. you know I, i'm going on this thing where i'm out all day i watch videos until 4 a.m of just people hypnotizing others and i couldn't figure it out and finally here's the thing that you figure out you figure out how to kind of get someone in trance right you get them to believe it more you get them to be more compliant and then, you know, you have a hard time deepening them. You're like, how am I going to deepen someone? These are all questions I had. I didn't know how to do it. And then once I figured it out, I said, well, anyone who wants to learn hypnosis, I'm going to teach them how to do it. So I made an eight-minute video actually on my YouTube channel, literally saying how to hypnotize anyone, anywhere, anytime. Uh, it's got like over 600,000 views at the time of this video. And it's the easiest video. In eight minutes, I teach you how to knock someone out, how to deepen them. And pretty much all the suggestions and everything that I took years to study, years to learn, I figured it out about, you know, I could not present it in 8 minutes. And I think that's what, that's what took me a long time, is that no one actually understood it well enough to explain it. Like, I look at all these hypnotists who say they know it, and they don't really know it. They just kind of follow a script. They kind of get a similar result. Not everyone goes in. You get like 70% of the population, but they can't influence everyone. And, and that bothered me. I didn't like the thought of not being able to hypnotize everyone or not being able to help everyone. And I said, okay, well, I'm not going to accept that. And I got very good to the point where it doesn't matter who they are, what they've been through, how many times they've tried. I have yet to find someone I cannot hypnotize. It's, it's, it's not been a thing, you know?
1: What, what are the elements that, what would you say that it takes for somebody to go into trans or to hypnotize somebody? Is it, they need to be comfortable? They need to see you as an authority? Um, yeah, I think you know, there's it needs to be some pacing, like some some unique language. What are these kind of elements, yeah. in your opinion?
0: I don't think I don't think the script really matters. Uh, what you say as much as how you do it. I think there are three factors that are really really important. One is rapport and authority. Uh, two is speed. Right. I like to do things quickly because even if they're resistant or they get in their own way, if you do things fast enough, they, they're not going to interrupt it. And I would say the last one is consistency. Like like moving fast enough so now you, you're doing things fast but now being consistent in the process and I think a lot of hypnotists are inconsistent so they get inconsistent results sometimes they're confident sometimes they're not feeling themselves like they'll be in an environment right that's not their office and someone says hey can you hypnotize me and now they're inconsistent they don't have the confidence they don't have the, the authority and that's why the results vary or you know someone tells them a problem or they tell them beforehand hey I've never been hypnotized before or I couldn't do this so their confidence changes. And I think that affects most people's results. And you know what? what's the most surprising thing is you think that the people that are the hardest to hypnotize are like athletes, celebrities, you know, people who are confident. They're the easiest. It's usually like the jock that's the easiest person to hypnotize. And it's, it's the nerd, the really insecure person who's kind of in the corner. They're the hardest.
1: Yeah. And, and the reason being... They're logical. They don't use the imagination they haven't conditioned the imagination in their mind i think it's they're so
0: insecure or fearful right and if someone is in a state of fear yes they're more compliant to authority but they're less compliant to hypnosis because fear is activating the amygdala to so frontal cortex which is necessary for hypnosis is pretty turned off uh, and i think that's the problem like you said comfort right so report it's difficult to even create rapport with someone like that you have the authority you have a different kind of rapport, but you don't have the you don't have the necessary comfort
1: Mm hypnotizing. So you saw this magic happen. And I've seen a lot of hypnosis. I've seen you do it. Um, What was the first time you hypnotized somebody? Like, what did you learn? Like, How did you start developing your process? Because you just had like a script at first.
0: Yeah. So I was watching these YouTube videos of someone just getting knocked out. And I was like, how do I do this? Right. So I'd, I'd listen to their words and I would try and copy them. And it wasn't working. And I remember I was at UCLA and I was doing this every day for two weeks. And I was trying to figure out how to hypnotize people. And every day I'd go out all day, all night trying to hypnotize people, I'll try to hypnotize my friends. And they'd go in for a second, and they'd come out. And I'm like, why isn't this working? Like this, it was actually upsetting me. And I remember I, I got really congruent. And I was like, okay, I'm hypnotizing someone right now. And I, I was at, walking on UCLA. My sister was there, I was to visit her, And I go up to someone and... The difference this time was that I did something before I hypnotized them. I told them, I planted a suggestion. I said, when I see the word sleep, your eyes are going to close, your body's going to relax and you're going to focus inside of my voice. Before that, I would just say sleep and they wouldn't know what to do, but I didn't understand I had no experience. So I said sleep. And then bam, this person literally just goes into trance. And I was like, oh, now I understand. You got, it's the pre-talk. It's, it's the framing of hypnosis that is actually almost more important than trance. If you frame it properly, I could just look at an entire room and see, your life's changed. Next. Anything, right? And that's what I realized. I realized it's the way you frame it and the confidence you have when you frame it. And here's a lesson I'd give a lot of people. No one knows what you know. No one knows what you don't know, right? So it's, it's one of those things that I'll oftentimes... You may not feel that confident, but nobody knows how much you know or how good you are. Right? So as long as you're confident enough and you frame it properly, you'll get the outcome.
1: That's, that's actually where I wanted to go next because you said confidence and looking for shortcuts. So confidence, when you try something for the first time or you're dealing with another human being, there's a lot of <laughs> error or crazy or anything. There's a lot that is seemingly out of your control. So how does one, you how do you generate confidence in a situation where anything could happen? And I've gone out with you to restaurants and seeing you in, in public places where it'd be very easy for a person not to not be confident. How do you generate that certainty and that confidence within yourself with so many variables happening?
0: Most people rely on confidence based on external events. So they'll look at what's happened around them and what's happening in order to feel confident. So you're around your friends, it's your birthday, everyone's there for you, you're confident. You know, you're somewhere else, uh, no, you don't know anyone, you don't feel comfortable, you don't feel confident. And I've learned that confidence, real confidence, I call it true confidence, uh, is not based on your surroundings. It's actually an internal thing. And what that means is you have such a strong belief, you're so confident in who you are and the value you bring and the ability you have to actually create anything you want. So if I see someone who's a billionaire, I see someone who's got, you know, a pretty girlfriend, whatever it may be, I know I can have it too, right? So that's, that's the confidence inside, internally. So there's nothing that makes me uncomfortable. And most people have a pattern of focus of, oh, what are the people thinking about me? It's always towards the negative. People have a negative pattern of focus. So they go out and they're like, oh, what is that person thinking? What are they doing? In my mind, it's like, everyone likes me. My, my assumption is everybody loves me. And even if someone doesn't like me anymore, or doesn't love me, my brain just ignores it. I just go, huh, all right. It is what it is. You know, they must be feeling some kind of way. It's never my fault. It's on them. Now, obviously, I'll reflect, especially when you do what, you know, what we do. We have to reflect on our behavior and see what we could have done better. But, you know, when it comes down to confidence, it's not me. It's them. You know, and that way, it never falls on my value. I'm not questioning my worth. A lot of people are confident that they're not confident. You know, I'm confident that I'm confident. You, you get to decide what belief you want to instill in your mind.
1: Yeah, I love that. You mentioned strong belief. So you mentioned the internal strong belief, identity, and then even relates to the external, you believe the externals are still supporting you. It's that, that whole phrase, uh, everything's happening for me, even if it's not, like it's still, the externals, no matter what, are still framed inside of your mind automatically. That's good. It's awesome. Like, they love me. So, but I, I want to go deeper into this part, strong belief and identity. Uh, for those listening, I'm sure they're wondering, how does one create a strong internal belief and sense of identity they are, how do you condition that where when there's so many variable factors and things not going your way sometimes, how do you stay true to that? How do you lock that in? How do you, how does one maintain that through unforeseen circumstances?
0: Yeah, so I'll give you a perfect example of this. You have a business, you're an entrepreneur. Uh, your business is going well. All of a sudden, something changes. There's a variable, right? Something happens. Now you have an unnecessary bill or a lawsuit. Or God knows what so you're going through this tough time out of nowhere and the brain takes what's happening in the present and it tries to predict the future. So you have a negative event in the present and now your brain focus shifts, right? People often think their state depends on what we're feeling now or what's happening now. And that's, that is the case oftentimes with people you know, who have some kind of mental illness, they'll be more present. But for the average normal person, uh, you know, someone who doesn't have any mental illness, What happens is they take the present, but they don't feel a certain way based on the present. They feel a certain way based on the outcome of the future, whether the future is in five minutes or five years. So your brain is constantly seeing the strategy that's necessary to achieve the outcome it's focused on. So if I focus on a negative outcome now, because something bad happened here, now I see a negative outcome. I'm going to lose my business. I'm not going to make my bills. My brain doesn't care about being successful or happy. It cares about achieving the thing I'm focused on. That's all it cares about. So people don't realize that emotions are strategies. So if I want to fail, what do I need to feel? I need to feel fear. I need to feel stress. I need to feel hopeless. I need to have all these negative emotions. And then what happens? My actions then are not productive. They're not resourceful. They're not going to get the things I want. And then I fail. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. But if something negative happens and I have this crazy focus, this crazy sense of belief, faith, right? Like people have a lot of faith in religion. Why not have faith in your own ability to succeed? Right? So you have this crazy faith that you're going to make it work no matter what. Now you're excited, you're motivated, you're unfazed by the thing that's happening. If anything, it drives you more because you're like, oh, challenge accepted. Now, bam, you're in a much more resourceful state and you somehow make it happen every time. Now, whether you actually make it happen or not, ask yourself this question. What's a better emotion or better strategy to go and deal with a situation like this? Most people are focused on what's not going to happen. They get on a sales call to focus on people not going to buy right? They go to get a phone number or talk to someone, they're focused on how they're not going to like them. People who are really confident focused on the positive outcome. They assume it already happened before they even happen. So if I get on the call, I already know it happened. I know it's going to work. I'm at a seminar. I know everyone's going to love it, right? So that's, that's the shift people have to make. They have to focus on the thing they want, not what they don't want. And a lot of people have a weak focus muscle. So you got to work on it. You got to become aware of it. I think more than anything, people just aren't aware of it. Here's the easiest way to become aware of it. You feel bad means you're focused on the wrong outcome. If I feel like shit, I feel stressed, I feel bad, means I'm focusing on a negative outcome. But if I feel excited, invigorated, right? I'm motivated, I'm hungry. I know I'm focusing on the right thing. I call it emotional compass.
1: What makes you uh, excited, like personally? And you're focusing on the right thing. Like, what do you focus on in those moments? What makes you excited? As you said if you're focused on the right thing, you feel excited. What do you focus on in those moments specifically that gets you excited?
0: Yeah, at this point, you know, it's happened to me at least almost a dozen times where I'll have my bills due the next day. Like $60,000, $70,000, payroll, rent, car payments. I I'll have like $1,000 in my bank account. And I'm like, I'm like how am I going to make it work, you know? And usually when it comes down to crunch time, my stress goes to zero you know and i almost chill like i'll go play playstation with my friends i'm like let's go to dinner you know i'm in a good mood i just know it'll work out i don't know how but i have this crazy belief that it's going to work out and we'll go out and out of nowhere someone will send me a dm like hey i want to work with you one-on-one or or all of a sudden you know i'll I'll meet someone i'll run into someone something will happen a client that i talked to a year ago suddenly came across some money and they want to work with me now It's just so weird. I'm not, you know, I'm not religious by any means. It's not like I believe in the universe, but it somehow always seems to work out in that strategy. And now, obviously, my business is much, much, much more stable and, you know, I'm very consistent. I don't have that problem. But, you know, when things were were time for, you know, when I had to clutch it out, I just always happened to be relaxed. I always knew it would work out. And I think that, look, whether it's going to work out or not, why would you be stressed? It's got to get done, anyways, you know? You know, if you're going to lose your house, I'd be stressed,
1: it's gonna happen. Hey, it's me, Eli, interrupting my own podcast here to share with you something that I learned from my mentor that has really served me well. And that is where focus goes, energy flows. And if you are focusing on improving your influence and sales earning potential, then I want you to book a quick 15 minute call with my team so we can better understand your goals, and see if we can help you drastically improve your influence and earning potential. The link to book a call is in the show notes. If you don't see it, message me on Facebook and I'll send it right over to you. Enjoy the rest of the show. Dan, yeah, just to give everybody some, some insight listening here, uh, how many square foot is your home? I've stayed in your home many times. Uh, it's a beautiful place. Uh, you live in a mansion, you're 24, you own like a jillion dollars worth of cars. And I give everybody like, and I don't even know what, how many cars, Well, you bought, everybody in your family, cars, yeah? Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And What'd you get everybody?
0: So I got my dad the first Corvette C8 in California. I got him a Porsche. I got my mom uh, a brand new G-Wagon. Uh, you know, I have a McLaren 720S, Aston Martin DB11 V12. I have the first SL63 Mercedes 2022 in the entire country. Uh, AMG GTC. Uh, I have a Dodge Ram TRX and, you know, my sister, I got her a Jeep Wrangler, you know, but so that, those are those cars. Uh, my, my house is 10,000 square feet. You know, I actually just bought a new couch from my movie theater. So you should come check that out. It's the safest couch, but you know, I, I'll tell you this initially when I, when I made the decisions to get more cars and things like that, like, like I'll have an amazing couple of months and then something will break, something will happen. A variable you could have never imagined, you know, and then bam, you know, my body wants to get in stress. I'm like, how am I going to pay all this? I'm going to ruin my credit. It's going to be horrible. And then I just relax. I focus on what I want and I make it happen. And I think that's the reason I'm able to continuously scale and grow. And I think that's why most entrepreneurs fail. They don't fail because they're going to fail. Like if I say, hey, I hate your purple hair and you don't have purple hair, it's not gonna gonna affect you. If I say, hey, you know, you're so fat and you know you're not fat, you you don't have an ounce of fat on your body, you know, then it's not gonna affect you. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs truly believe they're gonna fail deep down. So when something wrong happens, it triggers that belief. And that is why they end up failing because deep down they don't believe they're gonna succeed. And if you know for a fact you are succeed no matter what, and things aren't going your way, you'll just find a way to make it work, right? Failure is not even real. It's only real if you believe in it. Because if you believe you'll fail, then you get triggered when things start to go south. And if things go south and you believe you're going to fail, well, you're going to continuously focus on failing, you'll end up failing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, if somebody has the right mindset and then something negative happens, there's nothing to trigger. It doesn't trigger fear. It doesn't trigger uh hopelessness it doesn't trigger the thought of failing because that's not present on the inside it's just you relax into it and then when you relax into it you're in a better resource state to deal with it and then it just happens
0: exactly that's it
1: yeah yeah you kind of yourself into believing that you're this person to do the thing and then enter into those moments yeah you know it's
0: so weird i i didn't know this i thought most people were confident the way i am and i didn't know that people weren't and I started to meet all these people that I would look up to and I'm like, wow, I can only imagine how confident they are relative to me. And I would start to see, I'm like, I'm more confident than some of these people, you know? And I was like, I-, I used to look up to this person. And what I realized is, you know, I had such a high standard and expectation of how much better everyone's doing and how, how everyone else is more confident, and how they're crushing it. And this is what I've learned. You know, if you truly, If you truly understand this one thing, and it's that no one is necessarily superhuman, you shouldn't pedestalize anyone, everyone's a human being, right? And if someone else can do it, you can do it. If someone else can feel it, you can feel it. If someone else can think it, you can think it. And I don't care what you've been through, it really is easy to change, and I see this so often. I'll call someone up with stage fright, right? The number one fear for a lot of people uh, is is the fear of speaking in front of people, public speaking, right? You don't have that fear. I don't have that fear. But I can understand why someone has that. So if I were to go on stage and focus on how everyone's judging me. I'd probably feel that fear. Uh, and I call someone up, they're shaking, almost literally about to piss their pants. And you go sleep and all of a sudden, you go, you're the world's number one public speaker, you're fine. And then they're just speaking so confidently, so comfortably. They're kind of emulating you know, my mannerisms because they just saw me speak at the seminar. And you're like, how can someone go from no speaking experience whatsoever to looking like they've been speaking for years just by the belief that they're so good at speaking and you look at that and you go well we're capable of so much more we just get in our way right there's so many limitations in the mind that we are always putting the brakes on so i don't think i'm doing anything special i just think i'm removing the brakes and allowing people to truly you know hit the runway and see where they can go
1: amazing and for you because you said that you didn't have confidence what was the process for you developing into this, com- this confident person?
0: My biggest fear was a fear of rejection. So I was 15 and I had just made friends with this new friend group. And I thought it was normal for guys to go up to girls and get their phone number. I thought that was something everyone does. I thought I was, I was an outcast, a weirdo, you know? And I talked to one of the guys in the group that I was the closest with and I told him like, hey man, can you, can you coach me? Can you take me to the mall and, and make me do this? And he's like, yeah, take you to the mall and make you do this. So we go to the mall, little did I know he actually doesn't do this, but you know, he at least he played the part of that. I needed him to play. He was, he was my coach at that time. And I made excuses for like seven, eight hours and I'm like nauseous the whole time. My hands are sweating. You know, my shirt's probably wet at this point just from anxiety. You know, I probably burned like 4,000 calories just walking around the mall from stress. And finally the mall's about to close. And I see these three girls walking, up, walking by and I just went up to one of them and I said, hey, I think you're really pretty. Can I get your number? And I said it in a really not confident way. And all of them laughed at me and walked away. And yeah. in that, it, it, was so, it was so different than what I expected. I instantly became confident. Like that, To this day, I think that's the worst reaction I ever got, ever. And that was the first time I, I went up to someone. And moments later, I went up to someone. I was 15, I had braces on. I went up to someone who was 24, my age now. And I said, Hey, what's your name? She tells me your name. And she looked like a, like a beautiful version of Iggy Azalea, like a, like a hotter version. And I said, cool. So what's your number? She goes, I have a boyfriend. I said, so what is it? What's your number. She gave it to me anyway. So I was 15 and I didn't care about the number. I cared about the feeling I got. I was like, wow, that was a good feeling. Like the feeling of facing your fear and it's not a big deal anymore. So I went to the mall every day for two months and I would do this eight hours a day. I did not care. I would talk to guys, i talked to girls, I, 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 I would talk to everyone. I'd befriend as many people as I could. And by doing that, my confidence grew exponentially. And by the time I came back, I didn't care. I didn't care what people thought. I was so comfortable with the feeling of uncomfort. Second I felt uncomfort, I went for it. Tony Robbins is a wonderful quote. I heard at a seminar when I went to it. He goes, if you can't, you must. And I'm like, that's, that's pretty much what I was doing. If I felt I couldn't, I would, you know? And that's, that's how I grew my confidence.
1: Amazing. You created those positive references inside of you. Uh, so you know, two questions. One, um, if you're listening to this, they're going to wonder, because hypnosis is a great tool for yourself, others to help. Uh, if somebody wanted to learn, they could watch your eight minute video or where else should a person go if they wanted to get better at hypnosis?
0: Yeah. I have a few courses that actually teach people hypnosis. Um, you know, I'm not going to teach you hypnotherapy, but I'll teach you fundamentals. And if you go practice, you get really good. On YouTube, I even have free content that you can learn from. And, you know, a lot of people think this is the number one thing. You know, it, you'll see me hypnotize someone in a matter of one sec, And you'd be like, oh, he must have done something special. Everything you see that's happening is exactly what is happening. It's not like I'm doing anything special. And that's what people don't realize. It's like, was it the word? Was it the way he said it? Did he look at them a certain way? Did he do something with some gesture? No. <laughs> you know, and I, I think that is what people get in the way. They, they, they refuse to believe that what they see is exactly how it's done. And I think if you are observing it, observe it for what it is. And if you see it for what it is, you'll be good very quickly. The shortcut is to look at what someone is doing and realize there's nothing really going on. It's not magic. Nothing's going on behind the curtains. It's it, it's what you see, you know. And I think experience, go practice. That that's the best way to do it. You know, if you want to really learn, you can come to a seminar of mine. You'll learn it. You know, there's a, there's a lot of ways to learn. But the biggest thing is, if you're going to learn it. Don't just learn it because you want to make people knock out. Learn it because you want to understand what people think. That is, I think, the number one advantage. It's you know, putting someone to sleep is cool. Like I I mean, it's it's a cool party trick. It's a cool thing to do in front of seminars. It's it's entertaining, but it's not what what I think I got from hypnosis. I think what learning anything about the mind uh, has helped me do is I walk into a room. You know, I'll be at a urinal in Dubai at a restaurant next to me will be jason derulo and i'm able to befriend him in 30 seconds right now i'm at his concert the next day we're working out with friends you know and uh we were going to do real estate together i just didn't pursue it i got busy right so and he got busy too but uh you look at something like that you look at i I meet logan paul in the middle you know of the street like he's coming out of a restaurant then i get him to give me his number you know Uh, and that turned into me hypnotizing jake paul and working with jake paul and you look at all of these things and it's like, well, hmm, what was it that allowed me to do it? Well, I think understanding the fundamentals of the mind has allowed me to not just connect with some pretty wonderful people, but it's allowed me to really not just make a fortune. I mean, I made so much money in my life 24 not I mean, it's beyond my wildest dreams. I didn't think I would ever make this much money. Not even as a doctor, not as anything. I never, I didn't even know it was possible to make money. So I didn't, didn't conceptualize it. I think learning how people think was the number one aspect and the ability to not just be successful, but be happy, make friends, attract wonderful people. Like my friend group, everyone's amazing. You know, I got people like you, i got people who are loyal, people who are loving, real, you know, people who are real. And you can count on. It. And I think that a lot of people have poor judgment because they just can't understand people. They just are not paying attention to the things they should pay attention to. So if there's yeah. anything i learned, it's how people think.
1: Yeah, one of the things that really helped me early on in my, my selling speaking career and all that, I became much more, the word would be intention by communication, and I became more connected to and concerned with what's happening inside of a person at the deep levels versus what's outside. Yeah. So could put up a, a front or have a nasty look on their face, but I know there's a part of their their heart that's beating. I know that they're a human that's got this subconscious mind that, like an inner child, and that inner inner child the subconscious, like a five year old inside of us. So I'm talking to a child. And I know that if I communicate in a certain way and I'm, I'm speaking, I can be warm, I can be loving. And I'm, I'm playing around with that sensory acuity, but I'm playing with the energy inside of somebody. And I think that we all have a need to connect. a need to grow. I need, a need challenged. And so even as I'm getting the resistance, I'm like, I'm, this is for you. And so there's a positive intention and a, an ability to push past the mask and the facade and connect with what's real and i have a that all this are all energy all of that and i think that's allowed me to bypass certain resistance that other people might see as reactive be it somebody saying no or sink look on their face or like rolling their eyes or whatever i just like i'm, I'm connecting to that part of them. and if i'm in the right energy and i'm resourceful playful warm connected certain authoritative moving with that energy i believe that i can get them and i believe it's also going to be fun so i'm also enjoying the process where i'm not contracting inside of it so that allows me to connect deeper which is you know it's not really hypnosis but i'm i'm connecting with that deeper part of a person's that, mind that is hypnosis
0: by the way but yeah
1: yeah and and then sometimes too i'll i'll get into a certain which is a little different than, than you do you're very direct in it so it's fascinating too when you can begin to through storytelling or direct commands be able to influence somebody's thoughts and feelings and if you have the right intention to connect and to serve somebody powerfully in this moment it's a fascinating process this whole communication jam. The other part of this so you've learned this and now I you know getting into the other levels of influence is what's influenced you kind of how you Build this into a business is where I want to go next. Like level two influence is where you take it to other people. We've touched on that, but systematically doing this level three influence to groups and creating a business out of this. Um, there are a lot of people out there that teach hypnosis, that do hypnosis um, way older than you, more experienced than you, but not as yeah. successful. How have you taken this into a, a business?
0: You know, I think a lot of people have a, li- a negative relationship with money. And I think that they see money as a big thing. And I used to have, this. Like I would work with someone for hours and I'd get to the end of the session and I couldn't ask for money. You know, I would, I would hope that they would remember to pay me and then they wouldn't. And they'd act like they, you know, forgotten I would not have the balls to ask them. And, you know, I, I had a, just a horrible relationship with money. And then one day I lost both my dogs and then the pain was so great there that the pain of asking for money was nothing. I didn't care. So I started asking for a lot of money. And, you know, now I charge people a million dollars a year to work with them one-on-one, you know, and I have clients that are trying to work with me one-on-one every day. Like every day I have people offering and I'm really, really picky with it. And, you know, a lot of people say this and they really actually say it and full of shit. I'm really not, you know, I really do have an insane amount of people that want to work with me. And it's maybe because we're running ads. Maybe it's because I have a few Instagram and YouTube videos that are doing really, really well. You know, I don't really know where it comes from. I, I do know this though. You know, if you can see someone change their life in a matter of 60 seconds in a way that, you know, whether it's, it's a vape, depression, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. And all of a sudden I snap my fingers and they're never that way again. Like, I love doing this at seminars. I get someone who's depressed and every time they even think about depression, they laugh. I make them laugh. So randomly you'll hear someone starts just laughing in the seminar because you hypnotize them throughout the entire event, it becomes like a inside joke. Anyone who sees that goes, well, damn, I want that, right? And I have the ability to literally go into someone's head and program them to have anything they want. Confidence, focus, anything. I could literally install a brand new mindset. It uh, doesn't matter what you've been through. You know, you could literally do it like a clean slate. And I think that the difference to me and other hypnotists is simple. It's not that I have more experience because there are people who've been doing this for 60 years. I have better experience. I think it's the quality of experience, right? You look at an 18-year-old NBA player, Kobe Bryant. He's better than some people who've been in the NBA for for 15 years. But what's the difference? It's Age is usually a measure of experience, right? So there's this average measure of experience, and we use age for it. But someone can have more experience in a short amount of time or a better quality of experience and understand something more. Someone can learn calculus in a day. Someone can learn it in a month. Someone doesn't learn it in a lifetime. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. So it's not really the age. It's the quality of the experience and the perception and I think limiting beliefs around it.
1: Yeah, because this is a influence sales type pod podcast and you brought some of them. really powerful. I'm glad you brought this up. A lot of people have pain associated to asking for money. For you, you got rid of that for yourself and you help that with other, you know, others do that. A lot of people, even in the sales world, I can teach people, give them the scripts and all that. And regardless of what's in that script or the price points, 2,000 or 20,000 or 200,000, some people based on their own self-concept, feelings of self-worth, their relationship to resistance or asking for something that they see as a big number could be $200 or 200,000. Like what is big? They have an association to big, they have an association to value. It's like, how does one go about if they're in sales, if they're in business, using that understanding of changing the way they feel about asking for money? How does one begin to change those associations? So they ask more powerfully, more congruently in a more aligned fashion so they can actually build a business?
0: I would spend more, right? The more you spend, the more you make. The reason being, how are you going to ask for an amount of money that you don't believe is possible to spend? And the reason someone doesn't spend money is because they don't believe they're going to make it back. Therefore, you have a negative relationship with money. Now, if I'm willing to ask for a million dollars, I'm also willing to spend a million dollars. If I'm willing to ask for $10 million, I'm willing to spend 10 million. I actually don't care about spending I'll spend every dollar I make because I'm so confident I'll make it back. And I'm so congruent with the value I bring. I know, I know what it's worth. Like for instance, what's it worth to someone to have the mindset that'll make them the money they want, attract the love they want, the health, the body. I mean, what is 60 more seconds worth? If you're about to die, What is another minute worth? It's worth every, every dollar you've ever made, right? So money is got no value time has value and people are wasting time, putting money on pedestal, they're wasting time, digging money is a big deal, you know? I mean, you've sold a hundred million dollars in, in a few years, you know, for Tony Robbins. And I know you've sold $14 million in one hour, in one hour, you know? How many people could say they've done that? And I think the only reason someone like you could do something like that is because you also have an amazing relationship with money, you don't care. You know what it's worth, you believe in the thing you're selling. Now, if you're selling trash, then yeah, Of course, you might have a hard time asking for it. Sell something that's valuable, and then you have no problem. You have no problem doing it. And if you don't believe it's valuable, that's another problem. Right? It's not just the money. It's do you believe it's valuable? If you don't believe it's valuable, why would your prospect? Why would your client? No one will. You have to believe in it, and others will believe in it as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's. I heard this phrase a long time ago that said, "The transformation is in the transaction." often like, well, when you sign up, I'll give you this and you're gonna do all this stuff. And you do need to sell the future, not the features. But it's like right now, the fact that you're gonna take this action because you believe you are conditioning yourself to level up, like it's in the transaction. Like when you when you bet on yourself, you wouldn't bet unless you had faith. Like you wouldn't bet knowing you're gonna lose. And so you bet thinking you're gonna win. But if you're not betting, it means that you don't believe you can win. Like if, if I say, Oh, I, I saw that bet, that football game, I knew they were gonna win. Well, why didn't you bet? Well, I didn't bet because I really didn't know. And so by people not investing, what they're saying, they don't believe in themselves, which regardless of the program, you need to fix that right now. Right now you have an opportunity to create this transaction to transform yourself because really what you're doing, it's you're betting on yourself and you do that because you believe in yourself. But if you don't want to believe in yourself, if you don't want to have a stronger belief in yourself, you just keep on going, doing whatever you're doing.
0: I always tell people, it's the fact that you don't believe that you're going to make it is exactly why you need to join the program. Like the fact that you don't believe in yourself is why you got to join. You know, like if you believe in yourself, awesome, join anyway. If you don't believe in yourself, you have to join or you're going to stay where you're at, like you said, you know. So either way, uh, I mean, I, I spend money in every program. I know you buy every program. Uh, <laughs> you know, But it, it, I find the funniest thing is the most unsuccessful people I find are the ones who are the least willing to actually join a mentorship. Oh, what does this person know? Snake oil. You know, that, you hear this all the time, they're like snake oil, nonsense. I don't need to learn from them. Oh, that's, I'm not a loser. Like I hear people say this all the time. They're like, Oh bro. I'm like, Hey, has, you guys should come to my seminar. Sometimes it's my friends. And they're like, Oh, uh, you know, I'm not a loser. I'm like, what does that mean? They're like, well, you know, I don't, what would I do a seminar? Like it's just a bunch of losers there. I'm like, yeah. Well, these losers pay five to ten thousand dollars a ticket, something you can't even afford. So, you know, maybe whatever these losers are doing must be working, right? And it's just, it's just funny the perspective. It's always the people who are the least successful that view it as a, a bad thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you that you think would benefit the people listening right now?
0: Yeah, you know, I'd like to actually give them a free gift. So anyone who pretty much listened to this and you want to get hypnotized by me, follow me on Instagram. My Instagram is at Marcel M-A R-C-Z-E-L-L and send me a DM. Uh just say Eli Wild and give me your email and your phone number, and I will send you a hypnosis audio that hypnotizes you to become more successful and more confident. You listen to it nine minutes every day, every morning when you wake up. And within a month, it's going to condition your brain completely differently. So uh If you want to do that, just send me a DM with Eli Wild, right? Your email, your phone number, and we will send you that audio. Dominate your day.
1: Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to check it out myself. And uh, yeah, that was going to be my next question. Where can people find you? But uh, we'll make sure we put that in the show notes. And um, hey, buddy, it was uh, was great connecting with you as always. And I'll I'll have to make it out there soon or you'll have to come out of your New Year's. I'll come come visit you
0: soon as well. Thanks for having me on. And uh, hopefully this some people out.
1: Yeah. Appreciate you, buddy. Much love. Uh, and to everybody listening, this has been another amazing episode of the Everything is Influenced podcast. Um, hopefully you will act on this content and begin to work on the part of your brain and your mind, your subconscious that runs the whole show, makes your heartbeat a hundred thousand times a day. And it's these deeper levels of understanding yourself and others and how to communicate at that deeper level is what's really going to take you to the next level. So until the next time, see you soon. Hey, this is Eli, and if you got a ton of value out of this podcast and you are committed to leveling up your influence or sales skills, then I want to invite you to speak with my team using the link below in the show notes. Now, I only want you to book this call if you are truly committed to making real change. So if that's you, check it out. And until next time, be influential.